Well, friends, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus podcast. It's Wednesday. I'm so thankful that I have these days off. You know, a lot of people don't have that privilege. My heart goes out to you. Of course, a lot of people also still think, oh, Trump's doing good things. He just signed a thing about not harming the animals. To that I say, well, you obviously missed the photo op of his two sons with dead animals. Yeah, I don't think so, sweetie. It's not happening. So, have you basted the turkey? Have you? Now, the ham I stay away from. Me and pork, it's diarrhea city. Now, I know you're like, oh my God, TMI. Here's the thing. We're living in a politically correct society. Do you think George Carlin would have said TMI? I don't think so. I mentioned George because I am listening to... I want to listen to more of it, and I have time the weekend. Of uh, a Carlin home companion, read by Kelly Carlin. I'm loving these stories. If you're a big George Carlin fan, which I am, I never got to see him live. My friend did. My cousin did. Um, I kind of relate to him on a few levels. Of course, I'm not going to do cocaine, you know, um, but that's besides the point. The humor, you know, it's kind of like, um, I was watching the (laughs) Lady and the Tramp remake and, um, uh uh-oh, the Lady and the Tramp remake. And they left out the Siamese cat song, because I guess it ruffled a few feathers. Um, and I like the Siamese cat song, that I can understand, but why? The new, the new song in the new Lady and the Tramp? No. The whole Lady and the Tramp, it was, you know, here's the thing. It just, I wasn't feeling it. I was like, okay, where are the songs? You know, um, there's just certain, I can see why they didn't, <laughs> it's only on Disney Plus and it's not in the theaters, you know? I don't know. You know, being politically correct and all that, and <laughs> I don't know. Some people, you know, misuse it. Um, humor is humor, you know? And yeah, there is offensive humor and there's non-offensive humor. You know, I I am of Latinx origin. You know, I'm Portuguese on one side and I'm Mexican on the other. And the jokes about both sides are endless, you know. I remember being in high school and each week, you know, it was like a different part of my ethnicity is conquering the world. The Spaniards and the Portuguese, you know. And it's kind of like... Mm, okay. Do I feel bad? Well, it's part of history. You know, I can't go back, oh, let me fix this so I don't harm you. Because, you know, I wasn't doing it, but yeah. People from my my part of uh, the homeland, you know. Although, see, here's the weird thing. Most of my mother's family came from the Azores. My father's family came from Mexico. So when they do like Pioneer Day, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, and I was explaining to my nephew, I said, you do know that both sides of our family were not here during those Pioneer Days. 
They were in Mexico. They were in Europe. It's like we didn't get here till the 20th century. And, you know, with whatever's going on in Washington, you know, and they like to uh, blame immigrants. You know, immigrants built this country. This country is built on the back and blood of immigrants. And... I mean, the first people to land here were the Native Americans. The Native Americans came here on the land bridge. Now, I was taught that when I was little. A lot of people don't like to hear that. Oh, that's not true. Yes, it is. Because the Native Americans came from Asia. But some Mexicans don't like to hear that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you do. Because the Native Americans and the Spaniards got together and boom, you have Mexicans. South Americans, boom, you have Mexicans. Everyone came together, you know, and, but, you know, and in that big orange fool's world, you know, we don't exist. So, but, you know, he is obviously uneducated. Um, I love how people say, well, but he's rich. Being rich does not make you educated. Some of the dumbest people in the world have money. Sometimes by accident. Sometimes daddy gave them, you know, a wad of of $50 million, you know. And I remember one time I was at Starbucks years ago. And I like to people watch. And I'm watching this this woman refer to her dog as a bitch. She had money. And I'm thinking, okay. And so at that moment, I thought, I am so thankful that I have smart parents. Not ding-dong parents. Who just have no... They have all the money, but they don't have the sense. You know? And that's the other thing, you know? People always assume we had money. We don't have money. You know? They worked hard. And... That's what, you know... Years and years, and still... You know, a friend of mine... Was showing me this history of food... And they started to talk about H.J. Hines. I said, well, I'm a Hines baby. And they said, what do you mean you're a Hines baby? And I said, well, my whole family worked at Hines. So I'm a Hines baby. You know, Hines, that was the bread and, that was the bread and butter. You know, that was our livelihood. And so, you know, I have a personal connection to Hines. I don't have a personal collection to cut... Ke- to Kellogg's because I, you know, I try not to eat too much cereal. Um, but John Kellogg, from what I watch, he was nuts. And, um, but yeah, I'm very, here's the thing. <coughs> I'm very aware of my history. I'm very aware, you know, I have certain cousins who have a different impression of my grandmother. I kind of know why my grandmother was the way she was. And I still love her, you know. She had a tough life. And I don't think they get that, you know. Um, You know, nowadays people, you know, they drive across the border or they fly. My grandmother walked, okay. So I'm thankful that her and my grandfather make made those sacrifices to come here. You know, you don't hear people talk about that at Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm thankful for my immigrant, um, you know, uh, background. I am. I, I have to be. Because, you know, all of those 
um, traditions they brought back, you know, I mean, the other, the other thing though was, you know, I was raised in a different way and I'm thankful for that. I didn't call my grandmother abuela. I called her grandma because that's what she wanted. You all, you always did what she wanted out of respect. I had the most immense respect for her, you know, but she could be funny because she would say one thing and it's like, okay, you know, um, very, very, um, very dedicated, very committed to her family. You know, I remember one time it's, it's weird, you know, people deal with grief in a different way. I remember I, I was working, I was just working at a new job about three years ago. And I'm waking up one morning and I hear her screaming at me. And and I knew it was her. And I told a cousin that. And they said, yeah, that sounds like her. And then I told another cousin. And the other one was like, dude, she's passed on. And I didn't say anything. And I just thought, that's what you think. But if you have a connection with that person, they never leave. You know, I always joke that I'm like Charles Dickens. You know, I'm surrounded by ghosts. It doesn't scare me. It makes me realize, okay, there's something beyond all of this. People, you know, scientists and, you know, uh, psychics have tried for years. Is there a life beyond death? There is. But we're not supposed to know about it. It's the great surprise. Okay. You know, the soul is endless. The soul, you know, Einstein himself said you cannot destroy energy. And we are made of energy. And when we leave our bodies, that energy continues. It's like a, it's like the when the telephone pole comes down and it's shooting out energy. That's your body, basically. It's continuous. It's going to probably go to another body and you may be reborn. You know, I do believe in, in rebirth. Um, I've learned so much from, uh, I've learned so much from Indian philosophy and I've learned so much from Asian philosophy and one of my good friends is Buddhist and the Buddhists have a very interesting interpretation of all of this, that it's about rules, not breakable rules. It's just about daily rules, daily tasks. Okay. And I was thinking of uh, about 18, was it 18 years ago? George Harrison died. And for 30 years, George Harrison, he had been with the Maharishi and, you know, He had been praying and he had prepared for 30 years to die. And he would always pray and chant. And his wife said that the night that he died, the room glowed. And that's just something about it. And also his philosophies. I mean, this is the guy that wrote, here comes the sun. Um, Within you or without you, which is a very interesting song. Playing the sitar. For me, my favorite George Harrison song has to be um, What is Life? 
such a beautiful song, great beat. Um, you have those horns, the kind of Mexican guitar, and here he mex he married a Mexican woman, so that's kind of funny. Because um, he obviously he obviously liked mariachi, because it's almost like you can hear mariachi in part of uh, what is life. And um, and so kind of you know, here here's the funny thing about George Harrison. All of the Beatles had put out solo records. Okay. Paul McCartney put out a solo record. John Lennon put out a solo record. Ringo Starr put out a solo record. And then, in November of 1970, George Harrison put out a double album. And, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a masterpiece. You know, um, all things must pass. Isn't isn't that interesting? There are some beautiful songs on All Things Must Pass. I think it was 1971 he put it out. Or 70. Because it competed against Carol King's Tapestry at the Grammys. And Tapestry won. But still, the award that's the thing with awards. It didn't win. But the legacy of Tapestry and the legacy of All Things Must Pass is immense. You know, you look at George Harrison and um, I'm thankful for his music. He was stockpiling songs because, you know, he even said he could only get so many songs on each album, each Beatle album. And (coughs) I always think it's funny that George Harrison had the last laugh. I think, yeah, I think he did put it out in 1970. George Harrison had the last laugh because they were all putting out single albums and he put out a double album. So that really tr- that really rose to the occasion of being a solo Beatle. I mean, think of think of some of the songs that are on All Things Must Pass, the title song. Um, there's uh, My Sweet Lord, of course, Apple Scrubs, uh, Wawa. Wawa is such an interesting song. Um, Beware of Darkness, you know, um, where, where, what is life? <coughs> I mean, those are several songs from this double album you know and I'm not and I'm not here's the thing I love all four of the Beatles but that always intrigues me about George is that he he had that sneaky kind of grin and you know he's thinking or he probably he's already planning this you know oh the other ones they all put out the solo albums but I'm gonna put out a double record and he's gonna put out this double record and have all these number one songs from it is a testament. I mean, you know, Paul, Paul, yeah, Paul, Paul McCartney did the solo album, but then he, he hooked up with Wings, okay? And it was truly the band on the run, you know? 
It's interesting when people tell me, oh, the Beatles are like old school. Well, here's the thing. People before the Beatles copied the Beatles. People after the Beatles copied the Beatles. Elvis Presley copied the Beatles. You know, they did something that was very, very rare. People still to this day try to, let's get four people together. Let's recapture that sound, that moment. You can't do it. It was a different time. I mean, it was my parents' time, my grandparents' time, my aunts' and uncles' time. So it's a, it's a different time in history that I'm not privy to, that they are privy to, of um, a different kind of sound coming out of England. You know, um, rock and roll really it hit its stride in the 60s. And you have the Rolling Stones, who I love the Rolling Stones. You have the Who, the Doors, of course. One of my favorites. Here's the thing. I like the Beatles. I was raised on the Beatles. My parents would sing those songs to us. But when I became an individual, it was when I listened to the Doors. The first, I can remember the first time I listened to the Doors. And... I thought, why does that make sense? You know, the Beatles were this one DJ out of L.A. who was out there during the 60s. He talks about, you know, the Beatles are saying, all you need is love. But the doors are like, light my fire, honey. And there was something about the doors. You know, they're looking at all these hippies. The doors were not hippies, not flower power. I mean, they they put out the end and, you know, they're saying lost in a Roman wilderness of pain and all the children are insane. And Ray Manzarek of The Doors, I love Ray Manzarek, said, what a way to describe the love generation. All the children are insane on acid. Yes. You know, with The Doors, it was like you got Ray Manzarek. People think, okay, yeah, Jim Morrison was the lead singer, but Ray Manzarek and that keyboard. Ray Manzarek gave birth to the sound of the doors. You have Ray Manzarek, Robbie Krieger, the guitar player, John Densmore, the drummer, and then they would have session people play the bass. Because if you saw the doors live, they didn't have a bass player. What Ray Manzarek would do was play the keyboard, and then he would have the other hand on the bass part. It was it was ingenious, you know? And um I like, like I said, I like the Beatles. I don't have all their albums, but I do have all the Doors albums because there's a certain sound about the Doors. Yes, it's dark. It's intru- it's it's um intense. It's Shakespearean. It's epic, you know. But there, there there's also light and dark in there. There's the the two balances of the Doors, and um, the fact that. Francis Ford Coppola bought all of the Doors songs and only used one for Apocalypse Now. And Robbie Krieger of the Doors has said that it's a trip that Apocalypse Now opens with his guitar for the end. You know, so I I watched a interview they did with Dan Rather, the surviving Doors. John Densmore, 
and Robbie Krieger. And they had a lot to say to Dan Rather, you know. I would have liked to have seen Ray Manzarek there. Ray Manzarek died in 2012, 13, I think, of uh, leukemia. You know, um, there's a beautiful clip of uh, Ray Manzarek playing the crystal ship. And he's playing the piano, like a piano solo, to the end of the crystal ship. Yeah, it's intense. You know, I mean, those songs, like I said, the Beatles, they have their songs. There are certain ones I love. The Doors, it's different for me. Because certain songs represent something. It's like, oh, okay. Like Soul Kitchen. I remember where I was when I heard that. You know, um, they, I mean, what is the other one? L.A. Woman. I've, I've been to L.A. many times. I sometimes would play The Doors as I was driving at night, leaving Los Angeles. Driving through Los Angeles, you literally have to drive like a maniac. Because you have to keep up with their pace. It's like bumper cars. But you also have to be cautious. It's like, okay, if you take... Getting lost in LA is very easy. If you take the wrong exit, you're going to end up in Compton. Or you're going to end up in Long Beach... Or you're going to end up in Pacific Palisades and you didn't intend to go there. And so I would just put on the doors and it's like, okay, I got to get on this route to get to the grapevine. Because I've heard it through the grapevine. Come on. The last time I was in Los Angeles, I remember I was crossing the grapevine and I had to use the restroom. And I was like, damn. And I, and I had to hold it for almost 200 miles. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And it's this was like at 2 in the morning. Or maybe 1 in the morning. This was, this was about 7 years ago. Because I had some friends in Los Angeles. And I would go see them. And they love the doors, too. My friend and I are no longer friends. But we would have these intense discussions about the doors. What it meant to us. I remember one time I was stoned and I couldn't listen to the doors. There's certain things that you can listen to, not the doors. Probably because for me it was such a cerebral experience listening to them and connecting the dots. You know, there's certain like there's certain song there's certain things I can't listen to when I work out. I could never listen to Tool and work out. Because it's so, it's cerebral. It's thinking man's music. And I hate to say this, it's almost like I have to put on some Black Sabbath to work out. You know, it's got to be, or even some um, some ministry. Ministry, which is kind of um, industrial, metal, and it's, cra- it's craziness. That's what I need to work out. I have to be pumped up. I have to hear craziness in order to work out. Not thinking man's music. It's not like I'm going to put on the doors. Oh, let me work out. I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. (coughs) I'm thankful for those experiences. And I'm thankful for the music. And, you know, there were certain people in my eh, background, shall we say, 
who would always make fun of me for liking music. Oh, he always has the headphones on. Oh, he's tuning out. No, no. I was not tuning out. I like to listen to music. I don't want to listen to you squabble all the time. You know what I mean? So my connection to music is very different than theirs. They listen to it. It's background for them. I listen to it because listening to music for me is like eating and breathing. I have to have it. I have to have that concert experience. You know what I mean? Until next time, unpleasant dreams.